Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The company and or guest has contributed to the cost of production associated with this episode of Equity ASA. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. We really focus on advocating for your broader share market ETFs, which have historically returned around about 9, 10, 11% per annum. And if you can consistently do that over a long period of time, well, that's going to massively increase your odds of meeting your financial goals. Whereas if you're picking on, oh, is technology going to do well over the next five years? I don't know. So what was the best performing sector last year might not be the best performing next year. And that's why it's better to own a broad ETF that has all sectors. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello, and joining me today is Mark Jokum, Senior Manager, Investments and Business Initiatives at Stockspot. G'day, Mark. G'day, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Stockspot is Australia's first and largest digital investment advisor. It was founded in 2013 with a mission to help more Australians access expert investment advice and portfolio management. And we're talking about Stockspot's latest ETF report, which was published recently. So let's begin by discussing why Stockspot advocates for ETFs. ETFs have only been around for about 30 years globally, but I think they're one of the greatest financial um, innovations in the modern financial era at the moment. They've only been around for 20 years in Australia, but they're growing at a massive rate. There's, I guess, three key reasons why we're advocates for ETFs to be used in portfolios. The first really is around accessibility. So ETFs, one, they're able to access broad global markets, different asset classes, whether it be fixed income, shares, commodities, but they also make it really easy for investors just to um, put some money into an ETF. There's not a lot of these arduous barriers. So accessibility is the first one. Uh, The second is around cost. Now, in investing, there's very few things that you can control, but one of the most important things is the cost. And a lot of ETFs track indexes, which are very uh, low cost in nature because there's not a lot of um, active fund managers deciding what to pick in terms of the stocks. It's a rules-based index. So the idea that ETFs are low cost are a really big advocate because that's one of the ways that you can generate better returns is by controlling for cost. And the third reason is around liquidity. Now, a lot of people don't really appreciate the fact that, you know, ETFs are trading every day. That doesn't mean you should be trading them every day, but they help in terms of if you want to purchase a particular product, you can do it when the markets are open. If you need to get out of a particular product and sell your investments for whatever reason, you can do that. And I guess those are some of the reasons that form the key building blocks for why we think that ETFs are perfect for being that implementation tool for your portfolio. You can get the asset allocation right, which is about choosing the right asset classes. But if you don't get the right tools done, 
then it's not going to really good outcomes. So for example, if you want to have 40% of your portfolio in Australian shares on the implementation side, you have to select, well, which stocks do I choose? And that's really, really hard. And that's why ETFs fill that perfect building block, tracking a broad market index, which gives you that, that, that exposure. So that's why we're a huge advocate for ETFs. This ETF report, when did it come out? Uh, it came out a few months ago. The data is based on March data for 2022, mm-hmm. uh, but it came out in June, so last month. And why did you put out the report? Uh, so we put out the report every year, and this is our eighth year of doing it, yep. to really educate investors, advisors, for people to understand this industry. Because like I said, ETFs are still very infant. I mean, when we first started the report, ETFs were only at about 10 or 15 billion. Now they're at about 120, 130 billion. And it's all about education. We're trying to be a really big consumer champion in the industry. And ETFs are out there, but they're still really small in terms of the overall composition of the Australian market. So we do it because we want to publish our research. You know, we're seen as a, an ETF thought leader. We want to make our information publicly available. A lot of big institutions will hide their information. It's only available to the advice that they use. But if we can educate more people, well, that's a great outcome for everyone involved. So we want to publish our research. We're doing it every day for clients. So why not make it publicly available? So the first part of the report is how much Australian investors have earned from ETFs. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, study we decided to do this year. It's not something we've, we've done historically, but we actually wanted to try and quantify, you know, how great have these amazing investments been being ETFs. And what we had to look at was we looked at the dollar-weighted returns, which kind of looks at the return over the last year based on how much clients have invested in these ETFs and investors overall have invested in the ETFs. And we found that they made um, $10 billion for Australians um, over that one-year period which is fantastic. And a lot of it obviously is to do with the market being quite high in in terms of generating those price returns. But one of the factors that a lot of people neglect is the cost factor. And there's been some studies that have shown that over since ETFs and index funds have been around, it's actually saved investors hundreds of billions of dollars over that time. So Jack Bogle, who was the pioneer of the, the index fund, you know, his shift from active management to passive management and reducing it from high fees to low fees is arguably seen as one of the most philanthropic financial moves of the modern era because every dollar that you save is more money in your pocket. It's one of the few things that the less you do in terms of less active stock picking, the less you pay, the more you're going to get. So a lot of that $10 billion is from those saved fees, but also from the performance because we've seen a lot of the indexes have done better than your typical active fund manager. So that's how we quantify that $10 billion number. Uh, The un-American Jack Bogle, as he was called at the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) Because he he wasn't striving for um, achievement in higher returns. Yeah, exactly right. And it's funny because he he came, he used to work for Wellington um, Asset Management, which was an active house. Um, And and when he first pioneered the index fund, there's a great story behind the index fund. He was one of the few who pioneered it, but he, he was labeled un-American and it's, you know, it's, it, it, it wasn't the right thing to do. It was worse than Marxism. I heard all this stuff around you, why you shouldn't be investing in index funds. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard to get the first index fund up and running, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Not a lot of people really wanted it. But now you're seeing more and more money is flowing into index products. So it took a while to get there, but more and more people are understanding the message. And that uh, $10 billion, is that from capital growth and dividends? Exactly right. So there's two components when it comes to your return, which you should always think about your total return. Mm -hmm. One is the price appreciation that you can obviously get or depreciation in some asset classes, but also from the income. And especially in Australia, we love the idea of income and dividends and frank dividends. And we're seeing a lot more people trying to strive for income. But importantly, what we're telling clients is to think of your return as a total perspective. So, you know, with interest rate 
uh, where, where they were quite low and retirees trying to maintain this lifestyle of trying to achieve a certain level of income, we're actually telling clients, well, use some of the capital in terms of the price appreciation that's happened to fund that income bucket as well. So yeah, that $10 billion includes both the price return and the, and the, um, the dividend return as well. They are a secret as well. I mean, there's a lot of people that are learning about them now. And I always joke that um, when I first started this podcast, I didn't even know how to spell ETF. Yeah, or some people still call it EFTs. (laughs) Yeah, you hear that all the time. So um, what is that situation? What's the level of knowledge of ETFs at the moment? It's getting better. It's getting a lot better from when I first... I mean, I've been covering ETFs now for almost a a decade. And when I first started, a lot of people still didn't really understand the benefit of it. There were only, you know, a dozen products in terms of the ETF. TF land in Australia 20 years ago when it first came out, but now there's over 250, even close to 300 um, ETF products out there. But we still think that they, the investment industry's best kept secret, because they still form a really small part of the overall pie in terms of the Australian mm. wealth market. In our report, our research showed that the ETF assets themselves only form about 4% of the total money managed in terms of funds within Australia. That's really small, but it's actually grown a hell of a lot because a few years ago it was only 1%. So it's accelerated massively. And in terms of the overall growth of the market, we're growing faster than some of our geographic peers. We're coming off a lower base than what the US and Europe are doing because we're still a very, very small pie in terms of the 120 or $130 billion universe. And globally, ETFs are over 10 trillion US dollars. Mm. Um, but we're actually growing at faster rates than them, which shows that more and more people are becoming comfortable with them. There's this growing adoption curve with ETFs. And you're seeing a lot of financial advisors who didn't used to recommend ETFs originally because they didn't have any commissions, they didn't have any kickbacks or anything like that. You know, a lot of people were still in their ways of going to fund managers, going to list investment companies that had all these extra perks associated with it. You're seeing more and more people act in the best interest of their clients and seeing that ETFs are a better product to use. So I think that we're seeing more and more people use it and Whilst it is still a secret because it's so small, the secret's out. People know that ETFs are a better way to manage your clients' portfolios. And I think we're just going to see that trend continue. Um, What's caused the move away from LICs? Because LICs traditionally have been a way for retirees to generate income in their retirement. Why why the move away? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just a a better mousetrap because listed investment companies, they a bit of a dinosaur. They're coming up to their, their 100th year in terms of how long they've been around for, whereas ETFs in Australia have only been around for 20 years. But ETFs have exploded in terms of the asset size has um, triumphed over listed investment companies. And I think one of the reasons the move away from listed investment companies is around the um, structure of it. So as your listeners may know, a listed investment company is a closed-ended fund. So there's a fixed amount of units, whereas an exchange-traded fund or an ETF is an open-ended structure. You can create more units. The problem with a closed-end unit is you could be buying a dollar's worth of assets for 80 cents. You could also be buying a dollar's worth of assets for a dollar twenty. And, you know, the lick community will say, well, it's a discount. You can get something for a lot cheaper. The problem with that is that they can stay at a discount for a long period of time. In fact, a lot of these listed investment companies never come out of a discount. So investors should really be getting for what they pay for. And the ETF structure is able to track close to its NAV, which is the net asset value. Listed investment companies don't have that. So there's that transparency piece also around the holdings. Listed investment companies aren't really required to be publishing their holdings every single day. ETFs, you can go to their website, you can download every single holding and see what they have. And also around the transparency around performance. Um, I've seen a lot of listed investment companies post their returns 
gross of fees. So before the fees are taken into account, they also post their returns on the net asset value, not the actual price the end investor is getting. And then lastly is around the underperformance. So these listed investment companies, a lot of them tend to you know boast that they have their, their franking credits and their income benefits, but the tax benefits don't really make up for the underperformance with a lot of these active stock pickings, these extra tax drags. And I think people are becoming more aware of it. And you're seeing a lot of these listed investment companies actually shut down and change to an ETF because they believe it's a better mousetrap. The only way to really close that discount, which investors are begging, please close that discount because there's that natural arbitrage is to either, you know, buy back more stock, do a rights issue or convert to an ETF. And we're doing some more research at the moment around licks and ETFs, but we found that licks that were around last year, 20% of them have shut down or converted mm. to an ETF. Yeah. And that's why the market has stayed pretty much stagnant. It's only at about 50 billion for the lick market, whereas the ETF market continues to grow. So I think we're going to see more and more people move away from licks. And one of the biggest reasons as well, which I forgot to mention, was around the abolishing of the stamping fees. And we were a big pioneer of our publication to uh, to ASIC. They actually used our research in terms of their overall justification for it. And the fact that advisors now aren't getting that incentive to recommend licks, well, now they have to act in the best interest of their clients. And what are they recommending? They're recommending ETFs. So I think we'll see a consistent shift away from licks into ETFs. That being said, there is a position for licks for certain asset classes, uh, but I think the ETF market will continue to grow. The report mentions the best performing ETFs, the five best ones. Which ones are they? Yeah, well, a lot of people want what what was the best performing ETF over the last year, or they yeah. want to know what this year's best performance is, where we try and actually educate clients to try and focus on the long-term performance, because what our report shows is that last year's losers can easily be this year's winners, and vice versa. You know, the winner that our report has shown over the last 12 months can easily be next year's losers, which is why it's important for investors to really look at that long-term performance. And what we found is some of the best performing ETFs um, over the last five years. Yeah, because you you benchmark it at five years, don't you? Yeah, we yeah. normally look at return. I mean, we do returns over like one year, but mm. five years gives a bit, bit more of an accurate cycle in terms of what you can expect to return. Yeah, because uh, you can have one thematic ETF that'll shoot out the lights, for example. Absolutely. I, I yep. mean, the, the previous year, um, we had a battery tech ETF that was one of the best performing and this year it didn't perform as well. Mm. Um, whereas this year we showed our report that over the five years, some of the best ETFs have been those that have been exposed to a lot of the technology themes that have happened over the last few years. So, you know, US technology or more broader global technology has returned about 18 or 19% per annum. And more recently, because of what's been happening due to, you know, supply chain issues, you know, a lot of inflationary pressures is a lot of these commodity ETFs have started to build up a bit more of a track record. Mm. Um, and they have, have, have actually done quite well as well. But importantly, as you alluded to before, sectors come and go in terms of out of favor. So we really focus on advocating for your broad, passive, broader share market ETFs, which have historically returned around about 9, 10, 11% per annum. And if you can consistently do that over a long period of time, well, that's going to massively increase your odds of meeting your financial goals. Whereas if you're picking on, oh, is technology going to do well over the next five years? I don't know. If it was the early 2000s, the answer is no, it wouldn't have done that well. Mm. So what was the last best performing sector last year might not be the best performing next year. And that's why it's better to own a broad ETF that has all sectors, because that way you're always owning the winners. Yes, there'll be some losers, but through the natural rebalancing cycle of an ETF, those will be less part of the portfolio and more will be towards the better sectors. And the only way you can know which are going to be the best performing companies are to be invested in a broad share market ETF. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we alluded to some of those um, thematic kind of ETFs. Now, there's various kinds of ETFs that investors should be aware of and be very careful as they approach them. Tell us about those. Yeah, I mean, I spoke before around Jack Bogle, how he was, you know, a big fan of index funds, but he wasn't a fan of ETFs. And the reason he said that he wasn't a fan is because he thought they were marketing gimmicks. So there's a lot of ETFs out there that investors should be quite weary of because just because it has the label ETF does not mean it's safe. And there's actually a consultation paper going on at the moment that ASIC's running, which we've submitted some of our thoughts to around how should these ETFs actually be labeled? You know, because because it's just because it, it's called an ETF doesn't mean it's going to exhibit that same passive nature of what an ETF is. So there's three broad categories that we try and advocate for clients to avoid in terms of ETFs. The first is around synthetic ETFs. Now, synthetic ETFs are ETFs that hold not the actual underlying assets themselves, but tend to hold a derivative. So it could be like a futures contract or something that doesn't perform exactly the same as the underlying asset. And a great example, which we showed in our report, is um, one of the oil ETFs. Now, oil itself, you can't actually physically hold. The only way to get access to it is through a futures contract. Yeah, there's no bank vaults in London. Exactly <laughs> right. There's no, there's no vault like a gold ETF where yep. you can actually hold the physical gold because mm. who's going to want to hold all this um, oil in, the, in their backyard? They just won't do it. So the only way to get exposure is through a synthetic ETF. If you look over the last five years, the oil price is up over 100%. What's this oil ETF done? It's actually negative. And mm. the idea for that is because of the futures embedded in them. You're consistently going to have to roll these futures contracts, which inherently has costs involved. So there's a huge disparity between that. Also, alongside synthetic ETFs, you have these leverage and inverse ETFs, which can be really dangerous for long-term wealth creation. Even now, you know, you're know, you seeing the market fall, and a lot of people are like, oh, I, I want to be investing more in inverse ETFs. Uh, the problem is you have to get the timing right. Mm. And because of the daily rebalancing of these products, they are wealth-destroying machines at the end of the day. So we try and tell clients to avoid that. The second group is thematic ETFs. Now, these seem to be the flavor of the last year, and I think it will be continuing to come out. All the newest ETFs are pretty much thematic ETFs. And new ETFs go through waves. You know, back in the 2000s, it was all about just getting your broad exposure. Back end of 2000s, like leading up to 2010, it was more around country or sector exposure. Then the back end of the 2010s was around smart beta. So trying to time all these factors. And now the flavor is thematics. And the, they, they make great compelling stories. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to invest in a climate change ETF? Who doesn't want to invest in um, an ETF tracking robotics? Because that's going to be the future. And mm. the, the tough thing is you have to try and really know, are these just fads or are they going to be long-term structural trends? And our research in our report, Phil, showed that investors, even though $10 billion was made in ETFs, 
over 100 million was lost in thematic ETFs. The reason for that is a lot of thematic ETFs normally launch at their peak of interest because an ETF issuer obviously is going to get all this demand from all their clients saying, this is what I want to invest in, builds up a great track record. They can showcase amazing performance. And what happens afterwards, it normally fizzles out. And that's what the research shows. Over the long term, a lot of these thematic ETFs either close or underperform. So we try and tell clients to be really weary of that. If you do want to have thematic ETFs in your portfolio, keep it to a small part. Because if you want the, you know, I, I like the reference of hot sauce or chili um, mm. on the side of your portfolio. If that keeps you from touching the boring part of the portfolio, which is your simple, broad, low-cost ETFs, it's actually a good thing. So a lot of advisors are having conversation with clients around, oh, there's this new uranium ETF. If you're interested in uranium, here's how you play it. But it shouldn't be uh, the bulk of where your assets are. Mm. Um, And the final um, type of ETF that we tell clients to avoid is the active ETF. A lot of active fund managers, we spoke before, are using the ETF wrapper to package their product. Uh, But a lot of active fund managers um, underperform the market. The research speaks for themselves around over 80% um, underperforms the market um, over the long term. And the fund managers that do outperform, only 1% of them can do it consistently. So even though it's wrapped as as an ETF, a lot of these active fund managers will charge high fees within their ETF and they tend to underperform as well. So those are the three types of ETFs we tell clients to avoid. So you refer to fund managers now often wrapping their products as ETFs and you you see them now that they're doing both as well. They'll have a a fund and an ETF mirroring each other. How do ETFs perform compared to these fund managers? And I guess these are the active products that we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. the, the, the ETFs and what a lot of fund managers have is um, an unlisted managed fund. Mm. And it, it's also open-ended in nature. They can buy and obviously sell more units. But the whole creation redemption mechanism of the ETFs makes it a lot better. And in terms of the, the daily liquidity that we were speaking about before, makes it easier. There's no minimum requirements in terms of investing in the ETF. Whereas a lot of these managed funds, they have the paperwork you need to fill out. You need a minimum of $10,000. It needs to be on a wrap platform. And there's also liquidity redemption periods as well. We can only redeem yours if you give us 30 days notice. An ETF doesn't have that. So there's a lot of similarities between the unlisted managed fund and, and an ETF, despite the, the listing and unlisting nature. But what we found is that all these fund managers who think they can bring their outperformance um, aren't really doing that. Um, If anything, there's more portfolio turnover. And who has to bear the um, tax consequences of all their portfolio turnover? Well, the unit holders in the managed fund. An ETF doesn't have that. Because of that creation redemption mechanism, someone leaving the fund doesn't mean that you as an investor, Phil, will have to bear that cost. Mm. And what we found in our report is that if you invested in the 10 biggest global funds in Australia that are tracking global shares, you would have underperformed just a broad, simple ETF that we recommend for clients by about 47%. So a lot of these big funds, they continue to be on approved product lists. They continue to be in model portfolios. So they do continue to get a lot of money in and they're seen as these wizards of the market and they know what's going to happen. But a lot of them just can't um, outperform. You might get one or two that can do it. But on average, like I was saying before, it's really hard. So I think you're seeing a lot of these fund managers be like, we need to get into the ETF market. We believe we can package this as a better product. Still doesn't mean, though, that they won't underperform a simple product. So that's why we do like ETFs that are tracking a pure indice or an index, uh, because that's how you can maximize your chances of um, achieving good results. And it's, it's weird because the industry is built on complexity, which I think is quite silly. You know, we're, we're told that investing should be hard and it's hard to predict what's going to happen. But I think people can maximize their chances of doing well by having a really simple philosophy of, of investing. 
you don't need to have that, you know, that, that knowledge of you, what's going to happen. So best to prepare for all types of situations, adopt a level of intellectual humility. Um, and you can do that with your index ETFs, which we believe are the better product. I attended the launch of the ETF report and the part that I enjoyed the most, I think, was uh, some of the client's stories. Can you share some of those for listeners, please? Yeah. One thing we wanted to show this this year was around the humans of ETFs. And there's some great stories that we've got in our report, which I encourage a lot of people to read. And it, 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 there's a range of different clients that we get a stock spot. It could range from someone who just wants to invest for their kids or their grandkids and set up a really good future for them. We hear a lot of stories from clients who were dealing with um, advisors that were charging them an arm and a leg. And, you know, Phil, we were talking about this earlier before, how there's all these layers of fees from platform fees, fund fees, advisor fees, and people just feel like they're getting ripped off. And, and, and it's great because they're looking at their statements and they're being like, well, why am I paying this? It doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, so we get a lot of clients who show us their portfolio outside of Stockspot and they're like, can you advise me what I should do? We do a lot of independent reviews for clients and give them, you know, really independent advice. You're in good funds, you're in bad funds. You should look at reducing your fees here. But we get a lot of clients who feel like they're being ripped off by their advisors. And the, the last type of client that, w- that we get, which we highlight in the story, is people who used to um, actively pick stocks or people who have been hurt more recently investing in, you know, these high-tech stocks, buy now, pay later stocks, cryptocurrencies. They thought they could do it because in 2020 and 2021, everyone made money. You could literally throw a dart at a dartboard and your stock would probably be up. That's not normal behavior. Just the amount of liquidity that was pumped into the market, it's, it, that is not normal. So we hear a lot of horror stories of people who have lost 80, 90%. And there's this um, great stat that I love using that over 40% of stocks experience what's called a catastrophic loss, which means falling at least 70% and that never actually recover back to normal. You think that, oh, you know, the stock's down 50, 60%. It's going to come back. Some stocks don't. Yep. And if you look, some of them just disappear completely. Some of them disappear. <laughs> mm. Exactly. There's been some studies actually that showed that um, I don't know if it was like 50% of um, stocks actually become bankrupt and they just delist. Mm. Um, and that's the benefit of owning an index ETF through that natural process of rebalancing. It's almost like a Darwinistic approach, survival of the fittest. And if you look at um, the stock market returns over the last, I think it's like the last 80 years or something like that, only 4% of stocks generated the majority of wealth. Actually, not the majority of wealth, the entire wealth of the entire share market. But how do you know what four percent uh, those 4% companies are going to be? Previously, it's been the tech companies. It's been Apple. It's been Amazon. It's been Google, etc. Who's going to be the next, uh, over the next 100 years? No one knows. Back in the 1900s, it was railway companies. Mm. They all went away. <laughs> um, now it's tech companies. I don't know what's going to happen next. So the best way to know, um, obviously, and maximize your odds of achieving a good return is just to own the index. And they will naturally, through that regenerative process, own the winning companies. So tell listeners about Stockspot. Yeah, so Stockspot um, is Australia's largest online investment advisor. We've been around since 2013, and we build investors' diversified portfolios tailored to their risk profile, to their particular goals. And the term robo-advice is used, but we prefer to see ourselves as advisors that leverage technology to help clients um, achieve their financial goals. And uh, digital advice, I've seen. Digital advice, exactly. There's a lot of terms going out with it, but rest assured, we definitely are people. You know, we've got a team of 20 (laughs) around um, operations, um, engineering, investing, marketing, um, and we've got a great client care and uh, advice team as well who look after clients every day. So we're always speaking to clients. We're always speaking to them. We are real people. We just use uh, technology to help that when it comes to rebalancing portfolios, reinvesting uh, distributions, 
helping clients with tax reporting as well. And we're now, yeah, like I said, we're the largest. We're managing over $600 million for clients, for tens of thousands of Australians. And the whole premise of the business was built on the philosophy that simplicity actually achieves really good outcomes and that boring is brilliant. It's, it's not seen as a, as a sexy thing, but sometimes it's actually the best outcome. And when our founder, Chris Bryke, he set up Stockspot, I mean, he was previously an active trader. So he was on the other side of, mm. uh, of the bench and he just thought there's so much wrong with this industry. Why don't we set up a way to give really good quality advice, build low cost portfolios and help clients really achieve their financial goals. And that's what we've been doing. And, um, you know, I've been there the, the last three and a half years and it's, it's been a blast. And how can listeners find out more? Jump to our website, stockspot.com.au. If you want to find the ETF report, which we've been talking about, you can uh, navigate to our learn more and then click on our ETF research uh, or just go to www.stockspot.com.au slash ETF. If you can't find it, we've got a live chat um, help. You can email us, you can call us. The report's free. Um, you can download it. Um, and if you have any issues, feel free to get in contact with uh, one of our helpful team members. Mark Shokum, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks, Phil. It's been great. The company and or guest has contributed to the cost of production associated with this episode of Equity ASA. Important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice nor are they recommendations to buy shares in the companies featured. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.